He came to America with nothing but a dream. You can't be chaplain. <laughs> you might be chaplain after all. Overnight, he had Hollywood in his hands. Damn you, Chaplin, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> and the world at his feet. The whole world knows about you, Charlie. Let me direct the next one. But behind the screen... Charlie! ...were the women who wanted him. Is this what you want? Did you lose your other wives this way? The scandal that surrounded him. Don't believe everything you read in the papers. Why not? Still waiting for that other shot, Sid. That inspired him. Your message reaches everyone, everywhere. And there's no control over them. Be careful. Camera! From Academy Award-winning director Richard Attenborough, Robert Downey Jr. He is talking about America! You are a truly strange fellow, Charles. <laughs> everyone has a wild side. Even a legend. What do we do, Charlie? Smile. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Cinemation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe beyond. And we're checking out how they hold up here today. And we're finally, we're out of, we're out of the month of Shocktober. And uh, here we are in November. So it's time to, we're, we're moving past the horror movies. We're getting back to some quote unquote regular movies and uh, it's a very exciting time. We're not actually going to talk about David Munchak's alternate career as a silent film star, mm. but we are going to look back at the career of Charlie Chaplin and the movie Chaplin from 1992. Yeah, and Ooh. as an experiment in silent film, this is actually going to be a silent podcast, and so you can just turn it off in an hour and a half. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We're just going to have the piano music going and you can imagine what we'd say. <laughs> we should just have, yes, we should have the piano going the entire, uh, underlay a piano under this entire episode. Yeah, definitely. So, well, on, the, so, on the video, the video portion, it's going to be us talking with no sound intercut with the, you know, the screens of dialogue. The Absolutely. dialogue cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to get real tired by the end of it. So. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of watching silent movies in film class with you, John. Yes, those were the days. And I some of them I even stayed did. awake for. I didn't. <laughs> was there a whole unit on Chaplin or a class on Chaplin in your film school? Was there a, is he just a touched upon? No, movie? he was touched upon. It wasn't, it, it was the history of, because uh, the history of world, I think it was the history of world cinema. I think so. And we yeah. spent a fair amount of time in the, 20s and 30s and you know some silent film stuff and into the early uh talkies and we did look at i think one or two chaplin films yeah. um, but we didn't do a whole class on them excellent 
yeah i guess that's you know you in film school you'd, you'd want to cast as wide a net as possible right and while he's influential and and a big part of it and and known in the and known in the zeitgeist uh he's not the only he's clearly not the only one <laughs> yeah uh so that's that's neat well i was just gonna say i'm sure there are film schools that that do have classes that focus specifically on mm-hmm. on chaplin or other individuals from the history of of cinema but i think yeah. i don't think that our school provided that specific class on on chaplin but we did touch on him and, and probably why other. shut down that's it, it, it's gotta very, be it it's gotta be a big part of it you didn't have a chaplain <laughs> well <laughs> yeah back at the college of santa fe we r.i.p we um RIP. Our, our teachers really seem to lean towards of the silent film stars they really lean towards harold lloyd and buster keaton mm-hmm. and kind of emphasize them as you know, sort of the sleeper hits of, uh, you know, of, of that era and not the obvious star that Chaplin was, you know, we looked at, I think we watched modern times and the gold rush. I think those are the only ones we actually watched in class, but, um, you know, they really like stressed. They're like, yeah, you need to see Chaplin and here's why, you know, we'll study him a little bit, but these other guys are the ones you really need to know, which is not the popular, popular opinion anymore. Wow. Which was the whole bread and butter of our school. They, yep. uh, they were, you know, yeah. kind of the al- the alternative. Uh, we, I don't think we ever in film school ever talked about like the current, whatever was out in theaters while we were there was ever discussed in, in class or anywhere in the building. Yeah. It nor was, was mainstream <laughs> anything ever really a, a focus. Yeah. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like you if you said the of... words Top Gun in that building, like you were <laughs> going to get asked to leave. Yeah. yeah. The alarms go. would go off. And yeah. I do we like can... when you walk us through like some of the life, the life and times of the College of Santa Fe. Yeah. That's um, that's our other podcast, which uh, we're we're about to launch. It's going to be great. We <laughs> yeah. we go day by day through our, our era. In the College oh, wow. Of Santa Fe. <laughs> well, we're starting with. August 28th, 1997. Orientation. What a day. <laughs> Cowboy Mike walking yeah. across the... <laughs> oh, anyway, but uh, we are looking at uh, the film Chaplin. Richard Attenborough uh, directed uh, Chaplin, starring Robert Downey Jr., amongst many other amazing actors. It's going to be really hard to talk about the movie and not talk about the person of Char- that Charlie Chaplin was and, and both the real person and the character of the tramp and all of that sort of combined. So we're, I think we're going to be kind of free flowing here a little bit. But um, th- and this movie, watching it this time, really, I'd seen it before, but it really raised some interesting questions. Uh, for for me that I don't know if you guys feel the same way and we'll get into it um but I, but I'm very curious so uh before we get into it though let's do our our new game called 6 degrees of reconsideration where David is going to ask or or ask us Brent and I to connect a movie to Chaplin with as few moves as possible and we're going to come back at the end of the episode, and we'll we'll answer that question. So, David, you got a teed up? You got a movie for us? Yeah, it's. Uh, I did it last time. I picked a movie within this that was released the same year, and I thought I'd maybe try that again. There are so many stars in this movie, and I wasn't going to look for how am I going to stump the two movie uh, professionals. I would say you both are. 
Um, so I just thought, connect. What if we connected Chaplin to 1992's "Stay Tuned"? Ooh, <laughs> released in the same year, made about the same amount of money, and also features some cameos and guest stars. Uh, so it's probably a pretty easy connect for mm-hmm. for the gang we have here. All right. Very good. I don't know. I, Interesting. Could, yeah. There might be an easy one move here. I have no idea, but uh, so I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure, sure all the fans listening already have. I got idea. it. I got oh, it. Shit, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, easy. I... There's so many names. You guys are so good. I didn't know who was in. Oh God, what did we do the other day? <laughs> like, it's like I don't even know who any of these people are. <laughs> I had to use tools. Well, anyway. we'll circle. We'll circle back yeah. on on your got it. John, at the end of the episode, absolutely, because uh, we'll I don't, ha- it, I but... don't have it, not yet. Well, we got time, we got time, so got time. hang in there. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll circle way back to it. So, okay, so uh, we'll come back to that. And uh, David, while we're at it, can you uh, do a quick plot summary of what what is Chaplin about? Well, uh, Chaplin is based on the uh, partly on Charlie Chaplin's own autobiography and. Uh, a biography that was written about him in the 80s by David Robinson. Um, and it's about Charles Chaplin, the the man who would become one of the biggest and influential names in early cinema. Um, it's a very microscopic look at a very long life and career. And we watch an elderly Chaplin walking his publisher and us, the audience, through key moments in his life the women in his life who affected him greatly and uh, his rise uh, in the industry um, and his popularity, like due to his invention of the tramp character. And that's kind of what we see. I I wanted more. I'm like, I should probably read his books. Like I (laughs) want to know more (laughs) because this movie is just not enough for me. Uh, in a lot of ways, but we'll, we'll get into it. But it's yeah. it's a very like just like this is like the tiniest look. Like I biopics are so hard. <laughs> How do you capture? Yeah, they a really are. They they range, you know, all over the place. Some really hone in on very specific parts of you know the, whoever they're profiling their lives and or a yeah. piece of it, and others are this epic sprawling piece, which this one kind of fits into that category of this broad you know, start to finish kind of thing that my God, there's a lot of material to put in here. So yeah, um, yeah it'll be what we'll, we're going to dive right into it in, in just a minute. But uh, Brent, take us back to December 25th. That's right. Christmas Day, Ooh. 1992. It's the Reconsider time capsule. Rewind <laughs> us, please. Sure, sure thing. Sure will. Will do. Uh, you know, depending on where you look, it, it's actually interesting. The uh, This movie, although it released limitedly uh, December 25th, 1992, its wide release wasn't until January 8th, 1993. So I'm just going to do, you know, the tail that end range. there of 92 yeah. to 93. But we got, uh, we got George Bush Sr. He's the president. Uh, Whitney Houston's song, I Will Always Love You is tops at the box or at the, at the, uh, bill, the billboard charts. Um, home alone two is kind of the top movie in the box office. Uh, people are watching, um, 
married with children. The I don't do you guys remember the show Dinosaurs? Hell uh, yeah. Not the you remember mama. that? Yeah, not the mama. Yep. That's on that's on TV right now. Rugrats is popular. Uh we've got uh toys wise kids are playing with Jenga's pretty popular right now, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures was the big one that we had in our household playing around with those. And then the uh Super NES system was uh pretty popular that Christmas as as well. So lots of stuff going on. Uh other musicians at the time that I got a kick out of uh remembering Chris Cross. You guys remember yeah. Chris Cross with their yeah. with their back shirts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Right Said Fred, uh, and then Nirvana, because grunge is a very popular uh, uh, thing at the time. Grunge and grunge style is is a big deal. It's so, it's really just starting to hit the peak in '92, I think. That's right. That's Everybody's... right. That's when that's when I was definitely knee deep in flannels and and wallets with chains and long hair and doc martin boots man that was and, that was me and you know what nothing's changed except boots. long hair because now i'm bald <laughs> <laughs> that chain wallet is kicking yeah, yeah. The chain wallet is awesome. still rocking it the doc i used Martins. to use i i used to I, back back when i was grungy uh back in in the early 90s uh, horse and mane i don't know if you guys know what mm. this shampoo is but it at my school, it's what everybody was saying. Oh, it'll really make your hair grow long. It's literally horse shampoo. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's the reason I'm bald now, because I <laughs> used the shit out of that trying to grow my hair real long. And uh, look at me now. Shiny. And I think I borrowed that, that when we were living together. So yeah. that explains me. Yep. So that's that's what's happening <laughs> right around then in, in late 92, <laughs> early 93. And... Uh... And when was the first time? Let's talk about both things. When did you tune into the 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 person Charlie Chaplin and his films, and then this movie in particular? Brent, we'll start with you. You know, it's hard for me to know. So, the person Charlie Chaplin. I feel like I've always kind of, he's always kind of been someone in the background, like not that Mm -hmm. I ever, like when I was a young kid would have known who he was, but, but, uh, I had a good friend, uh, Scott Magoon, uh, his dad always kind of watched older movies. He was big into Dr. Who at the time, all these Abbott and Costello stuff. But I feel like, I feel like he probably would be the person that first introduced me to something that Chaplin was in, but you know, like he was always kind of a fixture in the background of of films and stuff like that, but I didn't know too much about him uh, for too long. It was interesting. Like when I got into high school uh, and started doing theater, there was a rival um, school, you know, because there's rivalries in everything, even theater. And, uh, and the, the kid who was like my age, good actor kid, actually a kid that I used to play tennis with, like even when we were younger, we took tennis lessons at the same place. Uh, But but uh, had lost touch and then and then kind of re-found each other uh, in theater as he was at this other high school. But he was a big Chaplin fan and he would like dress up as Chaplin and like had a little cane and walk around and we'd be at like theater uh, conventions and I would see him walking around with this cane and I would just like think it was really hilarious because it's taking <laughs> a little too far, I think. But yeah, uh, a little bit. But that's, that's theater living for you. Um, so... 
Yeah, as far as Chaplin the movie, I don't, you know, honestly, I missed it at the theater. So when this first released in 92, 93, I was deeply into grunge and pretty anti-establishment and like fuck mainstream. And I was not interested. I wasn't a huge fan of Downey at the time either. Like he hadn't really done much that would have like drawn my attention to him. Um, aside, you know, I think the biggest thing I knew him from at that point was he was like the mean dude in he was one of the jerks in, in weird science, you know, yeah. like that was, that was like his claim to fame for me uh, up until a little bit later. And so I, I didn't see it, you know, like I wasn't very interested in it. I think I was more interested in, there's another movie that came out later in 93 called Benny and June. And I liked Johnny Depp's portrayal of, of kind of Buster Keaton slash Charlie Chaplin and, you know, his his thing there but like that was really it and it wasn't until just recently uh that i really sat down to watch this movie uh and it was kind of first time watch for me just mm. just seeing it now so nice yeah I, i'm not too far from that but david let's let's go with you uh when was chaplin the person first on your radar and then the movie chaplin charlie chaplin man i don't know like yeah i i as far back as i can remember uh i i don't I don't remember when he came in there. I think he was always sort of a staple. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of cartoons and lots of like that. I, was, I did a lot of imitation of him, like a lot of the Looney Tunes did shit like that. And like, he was always sort of referenced and he just, he was just, but he was this guy from black and white silent movies and stuff. And I didn't know the tramp and Charlie Chaplin are two different things. And like, <laughs> I, 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 I just thought he was the tramp. Like it's sort of like Pee the Pee Wee Herman kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like Pee Wee Herman's a character <laughs> and not a real person. Oh, okay. Um, that so you know I don't know. He was always sort of around, um, and I I probably had seen or watched some of the uh, some of the films that would be on like a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, like watching bits of them, like like what's like curiously, but not really enthralled. So I probably I don't remember i don't i never watched any of his stuff like start to finish when i was a child or anything like that um and then as i got older i just like oh i didn't i don't know black and, i still like have had an aversion to like that's oh, in black and white i don't know this isn't cool this isn't fun um uh so yeah like i did you know it all became more obvious the the difference between man and character later in life but um you know when i when i was probably a teenager and uh and I miss this movie like entirely. Although I do remember, I remember the ads, the ads for it. Like it, they always like showed him with the little, the two rolls on his fork and being very like goofy around J. Edgar Hoover. Um, at the, like that was like the big standout thing. I think the Simpsons parodied it like the next year <laughs> or something. So, um, but I never caught it. And yeah, like same thing. Downey was this, he was this goofy dude from, uh, from back to school and weird science. So, uh, I didn't, I did, I wasn't rushing out to, to see that. Um, and then I watched Chaplin for the first time for in preparation of this episode. Yeah. That's, uh, not again, not too far from, from my kind of background with it as well. Chaplin, the person, Charlie Chaplin was just always felt like he was around, like ever since we, I kind of tuned into watching movies. It was just like, you know, like those other icons like Elvis and Marilyn Monroe, you know, they were just old time characters that were just still around. And 
you know, you'd see clips or their movies would be running in the app, the afternoons, like you said, David. Um, but I never, I never had a desire to watch it. Same as you. I, I couldn't separate the person, Charlie Chaplin, from the character of the tramp. It was all one and the same to me until I went to film school. And then, hmm. you know, we did, we started to, we did a, a brief study into him. And then I, I, I started to learn a lot more of who the person was that, oh my God, he started United Artists with, you know, right. a few other actors that like, oh, he's not that all the time. That's just the character he's playing. And, um, and we watched, you know, we watched Modern Times and we watched Gold Rush and maybe The Great Dictator. And I, I was given a gift of uh, like a DVD box set that was those three films and Limelight, which was a, huh. a non-tramp film that he did uh, later in the 40s, but which is another kind of amazing film. But um, yeah, so I, I was never, you know, really wild about um, Chaplin as a kid. And I, I also kind of stayed away from silent films if I didn't have to watch them. Uh, but uh, and then the movie Chaplin, I only remember of it not when it came out, but I had Reservoir Dogs on VHS, which was put out by, I think it was Live Entertainment, at the, which is a long defunct company. And it, there was trailers for Chaplin ahead of Reservoir Dogs. So that was um, the only time I really knew of it um, till recently. So, and then I, then uh, I, it, it kind of came back on my radar last year. I picked it up, watched it, and then watched it again for this. So, huh. Huh. And this, you know, so this really brought up a lot of questions for me, especially watching it a second time. I watched it last year and, and really enjoyed it and just it greatly enjoyed the, the, all the performances and thought it was this sweeping epic. And then once I, I started to dive in a lot deeper for the podcast, and I, this time I just had a lot more questions um, that had me look at it from a different angle but you know again before we get to that where do you think the audience of 2023 stands on chaplin do they do they know him how do you think people feel about silent films in general do today's audiences like do they ever watch that do they even have access i mean i guess they have access to it but does anyone voluntarily watch it what do you guys think i have no idea <laughs> with the, i'm assuming there's you know niche people looking at it i'm sure there's young people discovering it but it's not a it's not spreading like wildfire through the the younger generations i would say so you're all the all the create all the all the would-be filmmakers and you know creative people uh i'm sure are finding it finding his work and it's finding silent films and everything that's old is new again so there will be there will be some weird boom for like that era i'm assuming for for just a small amount of time <laughs> soon you know um but i don't know well I, I i'm assuming that there's there might be some general awareness of chaplin but not i'm sure there's plenty of people that don't even know who he is like i, I don't know i don't know how they would you know matt the mass audience of today i mean there's uh, there, I'm sure, and there are definitely niche audiences who love silent films and try to keep that alive and promote it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a very small audience. I think that still goes to those films. And so many of them are, are kind of gone now. But uh, Chaplin was the biggest of them all. 
and his most of his films are still available. They're on HBO or they're on Max. They're on Criterion. You know, they're probably elsewhere. The the few video stores like Videotech that are around, you know, promote those as you know p- people needing to still to still watch, go back and watch those films and keep them alive. But if you're not seeking it out, I don't know how you'd find out about it. I mean, do we see Chaplin or the Tramp that character floating around anymore? Is it a presence on? you know, any media? No, I don't even think, I don't even think you see it. You know, like a lot of times you would see maybe silent film playing on a TV, like in another movie scene, just to give homage to that. I don't even think you see that anymore. And in this case, it's so old. Like, I feel like the movies you see now on those TVs are, are the movies from like the seventies and eighties. Right. And Mm so, um, I mean, I think to David's point, you know, I think it's for, kids in film school and things like that, studying the history of film, you're going to come across them. I think people recognize the name, you know, like I think that that's pretty, I I would imagine that's still kind of a recognizable household name, but what, what the person actually did, like what their significance is, like I don't know that that's really widely remembered or, or it's probably remembered by, by, people of our age range and and things like that, but like kind of younger audiences and, and new generations. Like, I I don't know that it's as, as uh, I seriously doubt there's kids in high school still dressing like Chaplin in their theater (laughs) and their theater troops. If if there are, if there are, if they're dressing up for Chaplin as Halloween or for Halloween, I, I want to, I want to meet those people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, I um, I don't know. It, it's got to be real, just cinephiles that that seek out silent film now. Um, it's just yeah. not a, a you know a style of filmmaking that I think people can. I think people struggle with it. it with the attention span of today, and you know, a lot of people, even some cinephiles, still kind of hang out on their phone while they're watching stuff. With silent films, you can't do that because you really need to be following closely the whole time. And most of them are shorter running times, but some of them are really long still too. Uh, that, so it's, I think, harder, less attractive for people to know they have to focus in on a film all the way through than mm-hmm. just like kind of half watch, two thirds watch and be on their phone a little bit. So I think that all kind of ties together. Okay, so watching this, why wasn't like none of us saw the movie when it came out watching it now it seems like it's a clear oscar kind of movie right that like this would be a movie that the oscars are going to just love and they're going to nominate everybody and uh it's just kind of built for that but that didn't happen either so it didn't make a lot of money a lot of people didn't see it and it didn't get a huge amount. It got a little bit, but not a huge amount of Oscar and awards attention. Why is that? What is it about this movie that kind of people stayed away from it? I'm I don't not... know if it's a movie that anybody was asking for. I mean, I don't know how popular were like biopic movies. I mean, I know well, that they became hugely popular later, you know, like with, with the success of Ray and, walk the line and then every other person on the planet who was ever anybody seemed to get a biopic. But like, 
why uh, how frequently were they happening i don't know that anybody was like i mean in, in the early 90s I, you know like i don't know that there was a lot of interest even then for for like knowing it and when watching it you know it's it's more of a kind of a i don't want to be mean about it but it's almost like a puff piece kind of mm-hmm. biopic for for chaplin and you know it doesn't really get into the some of the more grittier things which like i think some of the movies more recent movies do Mm-hmm. You know, they, they at least touch on it. Like not everybody's a hero, right? I mean, even, even your heroes have flaws Yeah, and, and, you know, that became a much more normal practice in those stories later on. But this, you know, I mean, I think the first half of this movie is really interesting. I think the second half of this movie is a little dull, you know, I don't think it really gets deep into some of the things that, that, are probably problematic. We're definitely, they're definitely problematic now. They should have been problematic then, but things are communicate, things are discussed more openly these days than, than I even think in the nineties, you know, a lot of the stuff was still happening behind closed doors. So, you know, I, I don't know. The cast is fantastic, you know, and Attenborough is good at telling a story, but he's very, he's almost dated. You know, like he's a very dated yeah. kind of filmmaker and his and his and his his approach to telling stories and things like that feel very dated. They don't feel contemporary. They don't feel um like you're like you're pushing the boundary of anything. You know, it's just mm-hmm. very like kind of film by numbers in a way. Yeah. Um and it's and it's done well. I mean, it's good. And some of the performances in this are freaking amazing. Uh, and I think they get recognition, some of them for them, for those performances. But um, I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody is really like clamoring for a for a Charlie Chaplin movie at the time. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I mean, it was, it was a while ago and, and no, I, don't I really recall. I, I, you hit you hit like a number of things in that in what you were just saying, Brent, that we're, we should come back to a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But starting with your first point. There, there weren't a lot of the biopic thing was not a huge, uh, you know, storytelling device at this point in time. You'd start to get it throughout the 90s with, you know, Nixon was one and they're, they're, they started to kind of be a smattering of them. But I think in the 2000s, like you're saying, with Ray and being such a huge movie, that and beyond that was, you know, really where people started to get into it and really start to tell it from a different side and show the negative side of people and that not everyone was you know, uh, not everyone was perfect. And and like you were saying, they have their flaws too. We're not just going to do puff piece biopics anymore, um, which this one does feel like to me. And part of it is Richard Attenborough, who all of us know for his acting performance as John Hammond in the Jurassic Park films, but who'd been, a, you know, an actor, he was an actor in The Great Escape. He'd been acting for years and years and years. And and directed some pretty amazing films too, like Gandhi. And, uh, but, but here, going back to what you said, Brent, I think this feels like to me, his attempt at doing like a David Lean movie. Like this is, he's telling the story the way, like the story unfolds in Lawrence of Arabia. So mm-hmm. it, it does to me feel like a very old school, style of filmmaking this is the same year that reservoir dogs is coming out 
this is the same year uh i guess that's just the year before jurassic park comes out and you know batman was out and you know we just had very different kinds of movies and storytelling methods happening and and suddenly it feels like whoa okay we're going back to like this old style of, of filmmaking that we hadn't seen for a while it seems like this could be a good tv movie <laughs> like, yeah do you know what i mean like it's accessible and it's not it's not it's it's kind of inoffensive in, in its construction and storytelling like there's yeah there's just there's no meat here there's no meat it's just it's it's all it's all flourish it seems like you know just yeah lightly touching on a lot of things like yes there there's an attempt to get to to like his inner his inner world and and all of that and i i think there are moments that succeed but overall like it's it's hard to find a full through line of like what was he doing in show business anyway is it really just him just chasing his mother's love is this what we're talking about like Mm -hmm. he's trying to find like his mother's love and then like his true love like to go to go so far as to have the same actress play like his first real love and then the love he he ended up with at the same at the end like through the last couple decades of his life right so it's just sort of like without without giving a lot of service to the women that are like part of his story like they you know but there's been there's so many women and relationships and and all of that like it, it to devote you could devote a whole movie to one relationship and and make that love story and that you know there's a lot there so there's a lot to service there's a lot to say and and there's like a there's too much of a healthy mix of like there's too much but also not enough of like his love and personal story and then like his is hollywood story and his innovate you know his innovation as a performer there's just like a lot of like little things with but you don't really have a solid hold on the guy i think by the end like yeah it's very simple i think i think we're sort of shadowed you know in robert downey jr's incredible performance like, you know he's oh yeah you know we're, yeah, we're sort of blinded by like him doing this amazing work especially the the greatest work he'd done until you know up until that point for for sure yeah uh so we're sort of like under the illusion of that that like oh this is a this is a good movie and not to say it's a bad movie but it's just there's a lot there's too much material that we just touch on and then we just leap over it yeah you know he charlie chaplin was one of the most important people in film history 100 percent. like the, right. the human being charlie chaplin for what you know he's he's the first real like iconic character is the tramp that that character was everywhere um it was like what michael jordan was in the early you know 90s that was the tramp in the you know teens Mm -hmm. and 20s and probably early 30s but (laughs) you know especially with the sportswear (laughs) so michael jordan was the tramp of the nba yeah exactly (laughs) in more ways than one no (laughs) um i i want to see a a 10 part chaplain maxi series from hbo like why have we not made this yet yeah i think we're gonna get there exactly (laughs) like that like that's the real place to tell this story because there's so much there's such a gritty and dark side to chaplain that does not i mean it gets very lightly i mean very lightly touched on here um 
but also, you know, just going back to my point for a second about how important he was, you know, creating United Artists, which was such a, uh, a such a big event of creating a studio run by creative talent um, that was, you know, a studio that lasted for, you know, quite some time and was, was a big company, although they didn't run it anymore after a while. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, but yeah, it was, you know, and everything he did as a filmmaker and taking, you know, an actor who came and took creative control, you know, after the beginning part of his career, just really was running his own, his own kind of shop and was cranking out quite a lot of material over time. So, um, but yeah, there's also this dark side of his relationship with women, many of them being young underage women. Um, and whether or not, you know, this movie kind of glosses over it, like it's this, you know, kind of love story with each of them that, you know, some of them didn't work out. But if you start to dig a little deeper, that was Chaplin's version. Remember, this is based on his autobiography and then another biography written, uh, you know, a couple of decades later on him. But the if you really go beyond those, maybe it wasn't always so such a happy story. Maybe it wasn't always there. Were, there was a lot darker things that were going on with these with these women, and um, there was possibly abuse, and there was uh, you know if this happened to somebody now he would be canceled for sure yeah sure yeah i mean he would never get a pass for you know he got pass after pass after pass or just not really no one really went after him for for the uh for what he was doing with these underage women now that that wouldn't last at all right yeah and that's what i was meaning like you know I mean, even further in the, in the nineties, like just not even, um, bringing focus to it in, in the, in making, I mean, it's so breezed over in this, in this movie. Right. Whereas like now, if you made it, it would be a, a significant focus. Uh, and, and if Charlie Chaplin were a, working actor today like he would never have a job like he would yeah. it would he'd be gone you know so but it's, yeah. it's it's something of what's permissible in the 1920s like what like i mean a lot of child brides i think were uh out there i think it was a little i'm not saying it was acceptable or something like but but it was like commonplace almost. I would think so. And I, I think probably less so in like major cities like Los Angeles, like that, you know, those are big towns and, and uh, word gets around. And then it's just, it's just that thing. Like, you know, and hot, it's very like, it's very Hollywood to be like, well, that's just kind of like what he does. Like, unless he's yeah. like committing like violence, uh, violent crimes that are well known or something like that. Like, it's just like, well, you know, it's painted in this movie like they're they all chase him essentially you know i mean they i mean i i guess that's an unfair way to say it i think in the movie that the, their lives just keep intersecting him and these women and and mm -hmm. most of them underage and not exactly knowing like uh what what the actual age of some of them were like i mean what one one was 16 yeah one was and then but then the rest are 
you know, and other women were commenting like his reputation of like, you know, I'm 21, I'm too old for you. Like, oh yeah, like the, there's this thing, but it's all very, it's all allowed. It's all permissible in a sense. It's like, so it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of strange. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like it's, that's, we've, we've evolved <laughs> as a society to like, we're not, we're not going to let that happen, but you know, mm-hmm. but stuff fucking, this stuff happens all the time. I mean, Dane Cook uh, is a comedian uh, here in 2023, apparently still. He's in, he's like 50. <laughs> he's early 50s. And he just married his, or he just getting engaged with his 24-year-old fiance. Mm-hmm. But they've been in a relationship for seven, for seven years. So Yeah. Well, and like, there's kind of a running joke that Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. You he know, doesn't like, date younger than like 19 or something or 20 yeah. or 23 or i mean it's all legal but it doesn't make it creepy like it yeah. doesn't mean it's not creepy the older you know? the guys get the creepier it kind of is yeah yeah, yeah. it starts turning yeah. into now so, in, in in chaplin's you know story he's dating people that are underage which is yeah yeah i mean that's just i mean yeah kind of despicable but and it's what's what's remarkable is that um, you know, when J. Edgar Hoover went after him, he didn't go after him for that. Like he just no. went after him for the the communist uh ties and whether real or, or not. Um yeah, but well, I wonder I wonder if I wonder if J. Edgar Hoover was going after him though more because of how much power he had. You know, like Chaplin was a powerful figure that I oh, think yeah. probably posed uh a threat to to hoover's power right who also if you read about that guy was not on the up and up either like that guy was super shady about a lot of stuff so oh yeah yeah famously yeah but i mean you're right chaplin was at at the peak of his career he was making like two million dollars a year yeah which i mean we're talking in the 20s like that is Yeah, I don't even know what that is now, but that's a tremendous, that's probably bigger than any star is making right now. Yeah. Including the rock. Including Not the rock. The rock. <laughs> uh, he was making, yeah, like the, the, the inflation rate, it's, it's, it's 20, 30 million a year or something like that. So yeah. like in today's dollars, uh, and he's, you know, that's not a small chunk of change. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, probably... but that, he probably didn't own half of his shit, did he? I mean, well, actually, well, the stuff he made for through, I don't know. I don't even know. About well, no, I think things. he did. Own, you know, I think he owned the rights to, you know, the, especially once he started to direct his films, oh, you know, yeah. he owned that character. That was his character. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, yeah, the, and, you know, what we didn't see. So it was interesting that we, we didn't see this sort of, he really didn't, Richard Attenborough really didn't get into the nuts and bolts of, of the, the the character of the tramp and how that sort of evolved over time because it was really like a side character when Chaplin first started getting into movies and it was like a supporting you know smaller role kind of uh, cameo in films and it it grew and grew in popularity to eventually he was the star of his films and Chaplin needed to take over the creative direction and had to have full control on it. But we never really see that in the movie. It's touched on, but like so many things in the film, everything comes so easy to him. You know, he just, he goes into wardrobe and 
you know, these pieces almost like the, the, the different pieces of the outfit almost like call to him. And then he creates that character, it seems like right there, like on the spot. And then when he's coming up with the story for the great dictator, he's just watching a film of Hitler and it all just kind of comes to him that to make this movie. But there's so much more to those stories. There's so much more to be told that we don't get in this movie that I think a lot of people would prefer to see. Like, you know, to me, what we see, the, the movie is framed by Anthony Hopkins is a character who's writing the biography of, of Chaplin and he's interviewing Chaplin and basically trying to get Chaplin to go deeper on some of these parts of his life that he kind of didn't get into in his own autobiography. And I feel like we as the audience were more like Anthony Hopkins with, you know, we are to Anthony Hopkins like Chaplin is to Richard Attenborough. Like we want Attenborough to get in there and get more of the details out. And we're like yearning for more. What we're seeing is, look, and it is it is a good film. I, I did overall, I enjoyed the film. I just watching it the second time, I just felt like I just wanted so much more from it than yeah. I was getting. So, and, and it, maybe, maybe it comes out more on a second viewing. I don't know. But uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, that was great. It was just kind of thinking about really the acting performances. And then the second time, really thinking about the storytelling techniques. And I was felt, felt kind of let down by it. Yeah. Well, I also do. I mean, like we were saying earlier, I also think just with the, as an audience member, you know, those movies that come out now, we do get more, you know, like right. we get more of the, of the tarnished story. Right. And it's, I think this is, this one's, you know, too, too ahead, too, uh, too early before, before that kind of style of, of storytelling for these, mm -hmm. for these type movies. Well, let's talk about the acting here. So Downey is, coming off of like chances yeah. are air air america and soap dish is are his most recent films uh going into this and he's really not he's not the downy of that we know of today of course everyone thinks of iron man and all his marvel stuff and but he's done a ton of other great movies i think really starting with chaplin but before that he was known to, yeah he's like the side bully character in in weird science and back to school and we did look at him in less than zero i think that's his first probably great performance yeah i think that's probably the performance that got him like looked at for this right mm -hmm. like i mean it's the, it's the only thing on here that's not just kind of like a comedic side character or, or you know like something of that nature i don't there's not a lot of dramatic clout in in yeah. his in his performances up to up to now yeah and and of course you know he's also famously known for his his personal problems that he had right. he was going through you know throughout the 80s and 90s and how troubled he was and and uh you know before he really pulled the nose up and got everything really back on track and has had an incredibly successful career since since getting it all uh you know, all back on the right track, but um, here he's still in the middle of it. So his movies are kind of all over the place. You know, after this, I, I think I started to really tune in on him on, on natural born killers and that mid nineties kind of era. And he was coming and going, you know, like he was, 
pop up with a great role and then kind of disappear or do some, you know, kind of whatever movies and then pop up with something good just to remind you that like, he's so good. He's so talented, but you know, he's, he's having a hard time getting there. Finally, eventually he did, but, uh, but this was like for acting performance wise. I mean, it, it's astonishing. I think that how, you know, well, he portrayed Chaplin, like both as the tramp and as the person that he really embodied that character and just did an incredible job. Yeah. It, it truly shows his, his level of talent, you know I mean? I, and I think, I think it's great that he was able to get his life straightened out and that, you know, the issues that he went through didn't derail him completely because I think that he's, you know, we've seen now in, in so many other performances, um, you know, he's a great entertainer and, and this is, this is certainly the first time, uh, that you're seeing really the, the full kind of scope of that. And it's, it is truly, he is truly, truly good in this. But he wasn't, he wasn't the star that he is now. That's what you have to no, remember. His name wasn't going to carry it necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it, it you know, I feel like it was kind of a shock that he got the part, right? Like, I think there were other actors that were up for this this part that were bigger names. I think Robin Williams was talked about at certain points. And, and Robin Williams and Tom Cruise were two of the Tom Cruise. <laughs> and and I don't think I don't think either of those would have worked either. I mean, I do think Downey. If, if this movie had come out like. I don't know, five or 10 years later, I think it would have been a very different story. I think this would have yeah. been the movie we were looking for and hoping for, but uh, he wasn't there yet. But Tom, like, let's, let's start with Robin Williams. Robin Williams, I, I just feels like too, he was too old already at this point. Like, I, I can't see him playing the young. I can what? see him doing the tramp, but it's harder for me to see him as the younger you know, Chaplin, you know, the Charlie Chaplin person. Yeah. But is this, this is, I mean, I feel like when did dead poets come out? 89 dead poets was 89, 87. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like that eight, like his dead poet age yeah. would have been, I mean, it's right around now. It's certainly good for you'd have to adjust maybe the younger day younger days for him. Downey was twenty seven ish when they he made this movie, so mm -hmm. yeah. he technically he technically his first scene in the movie is like he's the he's a sixteen year old version of himself <laughs> doing that that stage drunk. But you could hide yeah. him under all that makeup, and he you can buy that he's this youthful guy. You yeah. know, uh, not that twenty seven is youthful. It's just like. It, it it allows that jump for when he's playing twenty like nineteen and twenty one and going to Hollywood and like yeah. whatever. So, but Robin I mean, Williams I think forty year old, 40, 41. Yeah, but I think Robin Williams has an uncanny ability to play young, right? I mean, shit, he did a movie Jack where he plays <laughs> a freaking a freaking child. You know, like I think he can. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a little. I think different. he has. I look. Like, I'm a big Robin Williams fan, he's got and the I'm not trying for to. It. I'm not trying to take away. I, I think, I think, I think Downey ended up being the perfect casting, but yeah. I would watch Robin Williams version of, of Chaplin for sure. So, sometimes you cast somebody just cause they've got 
the look or whatever. Like, look, I like Zachary Quinto, but is he a, is he a great Spock? I don't know. I don't think so. But he kind of <laughs> looks like him. Like, <laughs> that's fair. Like, and I mean, I like I again, I like Zachary Quinto. I and his Spock is fine. It's just like he just when you put a bowl cut on him, he looks like Leonard Nimoy. He's just yeah. like that's. I, I think it's very it's so easily to be influenced by like the the less you know makeup you kind of have to put somebody under and i don't know yeah you, he did he definitely had a uh a, a vibe uh as they say these days of chaplin uh or downy i did downy did but would robin williams have been too over the top and the, yeah no i think i think he'd be too much i i don't know i i you know like i feel like if 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 we hadn't already seen dramatic turns from from robin williams it would be difficult but the he he certainly i feel like is able to tone it down i mean dead poet society oh, yeah. is is like i mean that's a significant performance from him in that in that movie and yeah. you know that's one of many that we ended up seeing from him mm-hmm. again i don't think this is a real debate like i think downey is the guy he got it he did yeah yeah fucking yeah. stellar yeah. but i you know i think robin williams it's been a long time, you know, it's sad that he's not around anymore, but it's been a long time since we've had an opportunity to see him do stuff. He was really talented. I yeah. think he could play a really amazing tramp for sure. Like 100%. I think he could yeah. get that, you know, prob- probably easily, but yeah, it would have been, I, I agree. It would have been interesting at least to see, you know, what he could have done with it. Tom Cruise, on the other hand, yeah, that one's a lot harder sell for me. Well, like, look, that one you he had he had the name, the star power, much more than Downey at that point. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, for star power. I don't think we've ever seen Cruise have the acting range that this performance requires. Definitely not. He's got more range than I think people give him credit for. Like, I mean, yes. he can be hilarious. I mean. Tropic Thunder, dude, he is freaking genius in a comedic role in that yeah. in that movie. Uh, but this would be, I think, tough. This would be a tough one for him to excel at, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it works to his strengths, really. No, I don't think so. And I think it was the right move to not go after him for it. But he, at this point in his career, he was still, you know, he hadn't become just the mission impossible guy or just the big action guy he was still doing looking for good dramatic roles and looking to work with like really great directors and everything he was still in that part of his his career so i think he's a good actor i'm not trying to take oh yeah away but i think me too for sure yeah i think that it would be difficult johnny depp was also up for this he was on he was on the list that one would have been interesting and i think i mentioned earlier we got to see a little bit about what that would be with benny and june but yeah but if, yeah, I don't know. If this movie was still being in development for like five more years, it would have been, oh, maybe Jim Carrey. We should probably get Jim Carrey in there. You know, like Jim Carrey wasn't, he's a working actor and was on Unliving Color, but he wasn't, he never would have been in the mix for this role. He could have been, but I, you know, it just seems, but I think like him as the tramp would be, like, I think we would have been talking about Jim Carrey as a possibility, like a few years later. Like, yeah. 
because Ace Ventura was what was ninety. Well, definitely, definitely by I think Truman Truman Show era, that that version of Carrie would have. Well, I think I think Jim Carrey was actually discussed for this role, though. Oh, was he? Like in a in a small way, him and Billy Crystal, which is another one that I'm like, uh, don't don't know if that. I don't know if that would have worked, but it's Billy Crystal. But the uh, the the thing with like Billy the, Crystal's what, almost in my Dreyfus category. <laughs> Come this on! Is, but like, Dude. if this was a Robin Williams, this would have been a Robin, like a huge Robin Williams movie, and it, like, and or Tom Cruise, like it would outshine the idea that we're watching like a story about Chaplin. So it's like it would just be like, look at Robin Williams playing Charlie Chaplin. Like, look at like mm-hmm. it would be I about mean, that. Do like, we think that that would have drawn more people to the? To I think the it theater? might have. I, yeah, I think yeah. it might have, and 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 you might have spent more time as the tramp, you know, and really like n- drilled down sure. a little bit more on the movies, the making of the movies, the making of the studio, that whole creative drive that we didn't see in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I think they got the casting right. I think Downey's the right guy. I mean, even in interviews with, I mean, like I read an interview that Johnny Depp gave where he, you know. He's a so to get into a little bit. Johnny Depp's a huge Charlie Chaplin fan. Like he was definitely trying to 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 get this role, but he understood like he he feels like Depp was the right the right cast too. And I think I think you look at it and there's no there's no question. Uh, but yeah, he definitely didn't have the star power that that pretty much any of the other people that we've said would have, except maybe Jim Carrey at the time because he was. You know, I think I think he was still just a little too early in his career to yeah. to have the star power. Um, but but everybody else that we've talked about was a more recognizable name or or but, recognizable star power than yeah. than Downey at the time. All yeah, and the interesting thing is all of them would become huge, super huge, just yeah. a few years later on. So I think this is a movie. It just not to say that it was ahead of its time because it certainly wasn't, but all just would have been better served coming, you know, having been made five to 10 years later. I think the scope would have been opened up for the audience a lot more. They would have been a lot more attracted to this movie. It's ripe for a remake, John. That's what I think. Yeah. But I think, I do think what, you know, what you guys were saying as a, as a limited series is a much better way to go because there's so much more to dig into. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could, I like for me, I would, I don't really care about him as a person. I want to see is, I want to see more of the career stuff, like how to yeah. be, and like, and forming United Artists and all that, and the, and the battle against the, the, the whole communism stuff. So, like, that's all the stuff I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, you could definitely yeah. dig more into that with the, with the limited series. It is, a, it's a, it's, he's a great character for that. Uh-huh. And I think you have to, I, I don't think you can get away with just painting those relationships as like, you know, he's in love with this girl and then he's moving on. He's in love with this woman and moving on, you know, that's not how it went <laughs> really. I mean, right. maybe with one sure. or one or two of them, but um, you have to show it for what it was and you can still, it's hard to do, but it can be done, and it is done. That you can have these ma- these lead characters, you as an audience member still love them, still are interested and want to follow the story, even though they're doing, you know, some messed up stuff along the way. Yeah. Now, everybody loved Tony Soprano. Not a good Absolutely. guy. Not a good guy. 
<laughs> you know, I do want to say there's some other great performances in this movie. The, the, this cast is really huge, absolutely huge. huge. And I just got to throw out some names here and all of them, huge names. Geraldine Chaplin, who played her own grandmother, really solid role there. She Kevin Klein as Douglas Fairbanks was just uh, just another great Kevin Klein performance of so many. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Penelope Ann Miller, Ooh. Kevin Dunn as J. Edgar Hoover. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Dunn head. Yeah, I'm a, love I'm like Kevin Dunn. Dunn. <laughs> he Dunn is always he always plays he plays a lot of Washington D.C. types. <laughs> yeah. he just, he's always a D.C. type guy. Yeah. And he's a he's a character actor who's been so good for so long, yeah. You know, from doing big movies and shows. I mean, he's in Transformers and uh, you know, to Veep and you know all things in between. Hot shots, hot shots. One, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. the snippet from this that I'm taking away is that John said that he is a huge dunghead, and <laughs> done. So, dunghead. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said, dunghead. <laughs> and so. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna trend on twitter x whatever x, it is x twitter yeah. um moira kelly marissa tomei diane lane we even get david duchovny in here guys duchovny yeah we do the biggest star of the 90s that was <laughs> funny seeing him pop up i was really yeah. surprised by that yeah. you didn't mention it either but mila jovovich is in this as well and yes yeah, i'm i'm a secretly a huge fan of her uh well, really her singing career, which nobody really talks about, but she did. Hmm. She had one album called Divine Comedy, which uh, came out in the early 90s. That is it's like a folk kind of thing. She actually sings one of those songs in, uh, if you watch Dazed and Confused, in the uh, Party at the Moon Tower, mm -hmm. she's like sitting on the hood of a car. Yep singing a song one of that song is actually one of the songs in her album and it's uh, oh, that's it's funny. really really good uh but doesn't get a lot of recognition or credibility or like credit i guess and uh it it uh she didn't really pursue her singing career but it's a good album check it out yeah and the cast just kind of goes on that just really great performances so i think here's sort of my takeaway from the movie is if you're looking for if you like if you enjoy the grand epic films of yesteryear and you like that storytelling and you're interested in Chaplin, which everyone, sh I think anyone studying film should be interested in Chaplin. And there's a, a person who needs to be looked at and analyzed for behind the scenes and for the films that he made, then this might be a movie for you. Um, I think modern audiences are mostly would, would would have a hard time with it if you once you started to d dive a little deeper into what was really going on that there's there's so many other versions of this movie to be told but um but it's hard it's hard to I, you know i i'm not gonna not recommend this movie just because really even downey's performance like if you like robert downey which everybody does i should yeah, like you got to go back and see this movie. You have to. It's it's one yeah. of, I think it holds up as certainly a top five acting performance for him. Absolutely. I think to really appreciate it, if you aren't familiar with Charlie Chaplin's work, like you should probably watch a couple clips 
of, oh, yeah. of Chaplin doing his thing so that you can see just how spot on Downey was able to, to achieve it. So, yeah. um, I think on, on one of the streamers right now, there's a ton of Chaplin's, uh, movies available to, yeah, to it's watch. Ma- there's two it's, it's max and criterion. I think they both have a lot of his library. Yeah. You can even find them on like some of the free streaming services like Roku Channel or Freebie, I, th- I think, or Freebie? Pluto TV. Pluto Pluto has some. Yeah, Tubi, uh, Quibi, maybe. Quibi's, Quibi's dead. Quibi's dead. It's alive in my heart. <laughs> the beat goes on. But watching <laughs> I'm on Chaplin, a Quibi it, Quest. <laughs> it, I, uh, you can find a lot of the material. I think we talked about this before. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. But uh, I like, yeah, this movie made me want to watch more Downey films that I've missed and more Chaplin. <laughs> like I wanted yeah, to yeah. watch. Yeah. Both. Well, like, just 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 to name out a number of Chaplin films that if you're gonna analyze him, these are the ones you should see, and not in this particular order, but the kid which is, I think, the first official Tramp movie. Yeah. Right? I think it's the one. Yeah. Y- yes, I think so. It's Future probably Mike. the one that's most recognizable, most widely like recognized. Yeah. And what I what I just learned was that the kid in The Kid, the, the little boy, mm-hmm. uh, the same actor played Uncle Fester in the Addams Family show in the 60s. Really? Yeah. The ba- that's the bald same guy? Same actor. Jackie Coogan was yep. Uncle Fester? Jackie huh. Coogan. No kidding. Um, so The Kid, City Lights, Modern Times, The Great Dictator, The Gold Rush, uh, Lime, The Limelight as one of his later films. Were not He's not playing the tramp in that. It's a separate thing. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's got to be, there's more that I'm missing. But uh, I would start with those. All right. Let's cue yeah. it up. Yeah. A, that's a nice little weekend of of some films of silence. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you have to be the fully engaged. Silence. The, it's it is funny watching, like like there's just there's no time. Don't look at your phone. Like you can't. Yeah, you, you can't. can't, even can't there's no. There's no definitely no like surfing while you're watching a silent movie. You will not pick up anything. I've watched subtitle movies and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't look at my phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and I'm like, ah, shit. Like I have to pause the movie if I really want to. It doesn't like pay attention. Chaplin's films do they they do move at a good pace too. So if you (laughs) even if you miss some of the dialogue, like you'll miss action too, and then suddenly something you'll you'll be totally lost. Of like, wait, what just happened to that character? That character's gone now. Yeah, yeah. uh, You do have to keep up with it, but um, (laughs) yeah. And then Downey films. I mean, there's there's so many to uh, to pick from. That um, you know, what are you guys? Sure. What are some of your favorite uh, Downey roles besides this? Now, no Iron Man. Let's skip Iron kiss, Man. Kiss, yeah, kiss, not, kiss, bang, bang. Was yeah, fun. kiss, yep. kiss, bang, bang is definitely yeah. on there. Uh, I would. I, I I don't know how this one holds up, but I think that it's brilliant. Tropic Thunder. I think is no great. I know you know controversial. Yeah, I know it's controversial, it's but fucking it's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> it's so he's, he's so man. good, and I think I. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I haven't talked to enough people to really find out if it's, if it's, well, it, it's, you know, racially it, it insensitive gotta, or not, but it's fucking, but great. it's the thing about it. We could do a whole episode on Tropic Thunder, but there it's, it's what it's, what Ben Stiller is saying about Hollywood. Like, yeah. that's what he's, he's making fun of it. Yeah. So 
that's but he's supposed point. to portray it which is what it gets people in danger because it's like right they can't they can't look beyond the veneer of of what it is or the 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 surface level it's like mm-hmm. that it's unacceptable no matter what the point is and I, I that's an opinion that i don't agree with but i can understand um but that we go to extremes on stuff like that and just to avoid controversy like things are left out there's an episode of community where they play dungeons and dragons and uh ken jeong plays a dark elf from the underworld so he so he puts on spock ears and he's painted in pure black pure black like the like there's no color at all and he's wearing like sil- a silver wig or something i think mm-hmm. they that just you can't stream that episode because it's it's a an allusion to blackface like and it's mm. like they're just like nope we're not even going to deal with someone yeah. saying like that's blackface wow. and uh like char- i'm talking like sharpie yeah paint black paint black um what when what what colors are people allowed to wear i don't know we've got a lot of star trek aliens with different colors and you know there's only so many colors that go around anyway uh, <laughs> I just, yeah. it, it, it's, it's always going to be a touchy thing. And I think, uh, any discussion, it should be had if, if someone needs to have a discussion, but, uh, otherwise go, no, go run and go run and see dropping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love the point that they are trying to make. And I think, uh, Hollywood, uh, I think, and I think that's been largely permiss, you know, it's largely permissible among yeah, I don't I don't hear as much like backlash with that one. No. Which I think is great. I think yeah. it's great if people could watch things without their guard up and enjoy things for what they are and not and not, you know, be offended at every little thing. But yeah. it's a tricky world. A couple other downy movies that I'll mention uh just before we move on are Zodiac, I think is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and another one that I'm not sure many people watch, I don't hear it talked about a lot is Charlie Bartlett, which also has, mm. uh, Anton Yelchin, which, uh, RIP, RIP man, yeah. definitely a bummer. He was a great, uh, young actor that, that, uh, unfortunately lost his life. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I watched a lot. I think I've seen most of Charlie Bartlett, right? Doesn't he, he takes, I think I've seen that movie, right? He's like, a probably, I mean, Yeah. Uh, Downey's in, and he plays like this. Isn't he the therapist, or is he the yeah. school counselor to the kid to Anton Yelchin? And that's right. Yep. Yeah, that's. I forgot I saw that movie. That's that's a fun little movie. It's a nice. Yeah, movie. it's good. Uh, it's like less known, I think, but it's good. Yeah. I'll throw out Oppenheimer. Also, I think he's really, really good in Oppenheimer. Haven't yeah. seen it. Need to see it. I'm bummed that I haven't seen it yet. And yeah. you know, because it's. Fucking Chris Nolan, it's certainly not going to be streaming anytime soon. So I gotta just soon. wait. <laughs> probably until Christmas. It'll be on IMAX yeah. Plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, all right. If this movie were being made today, like, how do you think? How do you think it would be covered? Like, what do you think would be done differently? Let's say it's a movie and not a limited series. I think stylistically, it would change. Yeah, stylistically. Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be a longer film uh, to, mm-hmm. uh, to let some things breathe 
and I think it would have to it would it really just has to take a stand <laughs> like yeah in certain spots because this movie portrays Chaplin as a, a staunch anti-communist or particular or particularly anti-nazi and it's not so clear-cut in his real life I think like I want to see the red scare menace or whatever of Hollywood. Well, and and that's the part they did spend a little bit of time on in the movie is that, you know, they, they did kind of hold on that for a little bit, but, and he never really admitted it. Um, He was, he was always stayed kind of vague about it, but uh, he, <laughs> I'm just going to re- read one quote from him. Um, in 1942, he uh, was on stage at Carnegie hall and he, he addressed the crowd as comrades. And he said that communists are ordinary people like ourselves who love beauty and who love life. And then he said, they say communism may spread, may spread out all over the world. And I say, so what? I'm not a communist, but I am proud to say that I feel pretty pro-communist. So I say, I don't give a shit. Like, that's the thing. Like, I feel I like know. people throw around these terms like communist, socialist, like all sorts of shit like that, just mm-hmm. to like, because they're buzzwords at a time when people are at a heightened point of, of uncomfort with change. And it's like, whatever, dude, like each one of these philosophical beliefs, like have pros and cons. Just like good old democracy, pros and cons. You know, I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Well, it was a big deal then. Though, of course, it was, was a point. huge, like with McCarthyism. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. I mean, there was that was a Com- whole big thing in Hollywood. Yeah. Communism yeah. was a perceived threat to the American way of life, and it was definitely like it. The American way of life was working for a lot of people, so it became very un-American to discuss other alternate policies and and things like that and i think a lot of and and i think like anything a lot of stuff is great to discuss philosophically put on paper all of that it's in terms of execution and practice like that you know you you come into problems with any kind of system so uh it, you know communism was late, was vilified as though a great as if it was a great evil um but it, it just had some poor associations that right uh in in america particularly that makes it a lot scarier sounding um so yeah i don't i i think uh like i'm i'm assuming he's anti-hitler i don't i don't i didn't read his book <laughs> like i mean i would con- oh he uh, certainly yeah. is i mean that's why he made like, a dictator yeah so like hitler you know there's a difference between being into communism and like being a, Hit- a Hitler lover, <laughs> like yeah, being a Nazi, I, of course, They're very different. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like if this movie was made today, like there would be much more attention paid to his, you know, transgressions with underage, uh, women than it than the communist thing. I mean, it would definitely be something oh, yeah. in there, but I don't, you know, like. Well, I, it, I mean, it is a big component of his career and what happened to him and how he did it oh up for sure sort of yeah yeah there's no way out, around but... telling a story about him yeah. and not focusing on it because of the whole witch hunt that j edgar hoover you know i mean ass- assaulted you could him probably with. make a whole movie about just the making of the great dictator you know? yeah i would dude and... i want to see darren aronofsky's version of a chaplain bio <laughs> yeah because oh i feel like i feel like it has elements that could just be 
to- oh, a yeah. total mind fuck like yeah with um, the <laughs> entire way through <laughs> well and they didn't even you know uh, part of what he held out against like of the transition from you know silent films to talkies he continued to make silent films like into the 30s when definitely they were pretty much all making sound films by then and yeah and you know his resistance to that and why and his stance on it will be such an interesting part of a uh, either a series or another movie but you know they they didn't really get into it on this one there's there's, there's just so many points that they could have gotten into that they didn't yeah yeah but again i'm not i am not at all saying that this is a bad film but just raised all these questions of like what else could it have been and it's what just was it that yeah and what was it that 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 kind of kept everybody away from it it seems like yeah so it's dated and it feels especially dated because of the whole because of in the early 2000s the barrage of biopics that were made that all i mean they really fine-tuned the formula you know mm-hmm. over the, over the course of of the next couple uh next decade you know yeah like and downey could have played this character even probably until 10 years ago probably could have got away with it but he might still be able to do it yeah maybe yeah if you can get a hold um, of him he's a tough one to he's a tough one to lock down yeah you know busy guy all right, so should we do a little, now that we look back, should we do a little box office glory and see how the movie Chaplin held up? Yeah. Can we really use the word glory? Chaplin had a $31 million budget. It was what? shot, but yes, a lot of actors. Holy shit. Lots of actors. <laughs> Uh, was shot in, and it's a period film, and it was big and grand and epic. So all that's going to run your budget up. Um, it was Five shot million. between October 1991 and February 1992. It opened in limited release December 25th, Christmas Day 1992, uh, against Hoffa and Trespass. And then it uh, widened its release on January 8th, 1993, against David's favorite film, Leprechaun. Oh, no, that's Home Alone 2. <laughs> oh, that's yes. Leprechaun 2. Or is it Leprechaun in the Hood? Or in well, Space? That's the best. That's the best. I don't know. I like I, in Space. but I like the whole series. <laughs> um, on the January 8th weekend, it was uh, number seven, hmm. falling right between Home Alone 2 and Leprechaun. Uh, number one at the box office that week was A Few Good Men. Opening week, it made $3.2 million for a total domestic run of 9.2. Oof. Ouch. That's rough. That's really yeah. rough. That's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big loss on the movie. So that doesn't even, an opening weekend of 3.2 and still only to get nine. Man. Yeah. That is, that's rough. That's, yeah, that's, it's anyway, slice it. Not, not good. Uh, it was ended up as it, it kind of gets included in 1992 because that was its initial release. It was number 162 of 92, right between Delicatessen and The Water Dance. What is The Water Dance? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, you need to I, see it. I don't know. Have you? Uh, probably. Probably oh, when God. I was at Suncoast, I feel You've like that was something we ran. 
<laughs> water uh, top at the box office in 92 is batman returns home alone 2 and lethal weapon 3 so sequel, all sequel, sequels, sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know it was a lot of mixed reviews at the time i know roger ebert had a had a hard time with the movie and not to say he was the uh be all end all of reviews but he would he and cisco were the you know probably the most popular ones at the time yeah it was nominated for three oscars uh, best Actor for Robert Downey Jr., Best Art Direction, and Best Score. It did not win any, but I do feel like Downey probably, maybe he should have won. won. Who did win? Do we know who uh, won that year? Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman. Oh, no. Come on. Maybe. That sounds like it could be. Pacino for that. Scent of a Woman. Yeah. Against Denzel. Hoo-ah! Denzel was in Malcolm X. Stephen Ooh, Ray That's probably in... another one that yeah, Stephen Ray and Crying Game and Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. So it's a it's a competitive year. That is, yeah. But, and uh... Al Pacino won with Scent of a Woman. <laughs> Can we all agree that that was a gimme? Because like, yeah, that was. He shouldn't uh... have won against that competition. Yeah, I would. I think now I would either give it to Denzel or Downey. Yeah, yeah. I think I think now it would definitely go to Denzel. I don't think. I think now even... it might go to Clint, really. But oh, who? Which In is reality. that Unforgiven? Unforgiven, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a career award. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. He's he got Oscars. Won, right? Does he not have acting Oscars, Mr. Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood? I don't think so. He's got directing Oscars, but I don't think he's got acting ones. That's true. That makes sense. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I think if you're a Downey fan, check it out. Like I was saying, if you if you like the old school kind of epic biopic style then this is for you if you're looking for really a deep dive and and more of a grittier take then you might want to stay away from this one and wait for someone's going to do it someone's going to wait for wait for the ken burns documentary yeah that should happen too you know and i honestly like i would not be surprised if it comes around and you know charlie chaplin ends up getting canceled at some point you know I, I think he's a, it's a little too far away that I think no one's really connected enough to it to make a thing of it. But, um, you know, were it happening in anywhere in recent times, it certainly would have. But I think it's time. It's time we come back to our six degrees of reconsidimation. David presented the film Stay Tuned. Can Brent and I connect Stay Tuned to Chaplin and in how many moves? Uh, I I kind of came up with something right away. Brent, do you have anything? I do. I have Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. uh, who is in The Great Outdoors with John Candy. John Candy is in Vacation with Eugene Levy, who plays the car salesman. And Eugene Levy is in Stay Tuned. Wow. Man. Nice. I like that. I like that path. Very nice. It's very nice. I went, I went old school comedy path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do the same. I've got oh. uh, Dan Aykroyd, who played Max Sennett, which we didn't even mention. Played Max Sennett, was one of uh, Chaplin's first directors when he came to the U.S. Uh, and another kind of important person in early filmmaking uh, times. But uh, So Dan Aykroyd to Jim Belushi mm-hmm. in Trading Pick Places. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, and that's not Blues Brothers, believe it or not. It's Trading Places. Uh, Jim Belushi to John Ritter in David's favorite movie, 
Real Men. Real Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. Which I do want to cover at some point. And John Ritter, of course, is uh, the lead actor in Stay Tuned. Ooh, I like that. That's good. John Ritter, RIP, man. That's another yeah. one. Oh, oh, yeah. John big Ritter. Time. God. John Ritter could have been Chaplin. John Don't know about that, but John Ritter <laughs> could have been in Chaplin for sure. Yeah. Does John Ritter have like a dark, dramatic role somewhere that he's portrayed? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of. Dark, dramatic? I don't know. I mean, he's I definitely he been does. in just curious. dramatic pieces. Sling Blade. Isn't he in Sling Blade? Oh, he's, he's definitely in Sling Blade. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but I wouldn't, I, wouldn't with, call, uh, I wouldn't call his character like a dark character, but yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a dramatic role. Yeah. I mean, you, we don't need to see him dark. I like uh, he's funny. I mean, I would make... say that I would say that he's probably done dark things though. I just can't probably his, we have to dig for it. His other stuff is so good. <laughs> so. But um all right, well that's that's our look back at Chaplin. I kind of feel like I feel bad for like kind of Uh-oh. Oh. Pairing into the movie, but I just I couldn't not do it. I, like those questions were so much on the forefront of my mind this time watching it that why we're here. So, was like, it really yeah. a tearing so it, into the movie? I don't think so. I think, I think it's it's, it's a, a very honest and very fair critique of of like what yeah. this movie doesn't do and and does and or does poorly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, I just it's see a lot of potential. I see more potential than what it was. Yeah. You know what, what the film actually was. So. Yeah, it was yeah. good. It could have been great. Yeah. Yeah. It can be it, great. It must not have yeah. tested well or something, and then they buried it and, like, just released it. Like, yeah. It went I mean, I feel like it was I, released with big yeah, expectations. I, know. I, but... I think it was I think it was released at the right time, and I think they just, um, I think they put money into it, and it just didn't take. And, and that's the mystery for me of, like, well, why... What was it that kept ever? Because ever, it's the same thing with almost everybody I know. Um, that was like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to see it, <laughs> but right, never right, did. Right. Yeah, it does seem like it's just like his Charlie Chaplin's library. It's like, yeah, I'll get around to that. <laughs> like, yeah, wanna, yeah. <laughs> his, his the actual biopic is also like, yeah, no, I definitely want to see <laughs> that. I'll get to it. Yeah. So that's 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 just what it is <laughs> yeah but definitely you know also go back and check out the 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 chaplain films so Certainly. yeah it needs to be seen but um all right so that's chaplain uh we next week we are gonna get into unless i change the lineup <laughs> we're gonna get into what? james l brooks i think for the first time in reconsina history is it really yeah that's and we are going to take crazy. a look back at Broadcast News, which is a Brent favorite. I do like this movie. Yeah. Um, and I have not seen it in a really long time. So I'm looking forward to diving in with, with Albert Brooks and and uh, William Hurt and Holly Hunter. And, you know, all people we haven't had, I don't think, on the show at all or very little. So. That's crazy, dude. James L. Brooks is great too. Like, I'm we yeah. we need more. We need more. Yep. Another kind of legendary filmmaker. So, uh, looking forward to that. And of course, uh, check us out on social media. We're at Reconsideration Podcast on X or whatever that is. Uh, Instagram. Excellent. You can hit our archives up at reconsideration.com. 
you know, give us a five-star rating and review. We would appreciate it very much and would help uh, boost the uh, viewership of the show, I guess. So please uh, check us out there. Uh, a quick thank you and shout out to our friends, Curtis Moore for the poster and EK Wimmer for the theme music. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. And uh, that's all I've got. Anything to wrap up, guys? Hooah! Oh, wait, sorry. No. Gino. Gino's here. Oh, yeah, I'll sit down. Yeah. We'll get right to you. We're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> all Take right. Care. We'll, see, we'll see you guys next time on Reconsidimation. Take care. Bye now. Yeah, I think he's such a he's such a we'll get into it, but he's such a pop culture kind of thing icon in the in yeah. today. Even though he hasn't been alive for what fifty years, still like, like be- yeah, like 10, 12 years. Oh, is it ten or twelve? <laughs> <laughs> no, that can't be right. He's been dead like forty five years. <laughs> okay, so I'm like he was still doing movies in twenty twelve. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was. He was... showed up in the Avengers. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait! We, we can use AI to bring him back. It's happening. Yeah, and Tupac. They're gonna they're gonna co-star in a movie where a buddy cop movie together. If I mean, look, if we get if 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 hologra if uh, holo uh, holodecks were real, like on Star Trek, I'd be. That's all I would be doing is give totally. me a buddy cop movie. Use the formula from like these three movies. Come up with an original <laughs> MacGuffin, and yeah. Charlie Chaplin and. Uh, and Tupac. And, Margo, and Tupac, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. It's called Gang actually... Related 2. <laughs>